Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. I'm Christophe Mallet, I'm your host on this podcast today. Coming up, we'll have a chat with Matthew Kinnan, the voice of uh, the cycling on the international feed, the new voice uh, up to the, uh, to the end of the stage. He will tell us all about how he got there. Let me remind you that you can stream or download this podcast on SoundCloud. You can also listen to it on Zwift or subscribe on iTunes. And if you stay tuned to us, we have a special announcement regarding iTunes. It's coming up in the second part of the program. But for now, I'm with Dave McKenzie. Hey, Dave. How are you going? Ooh, another day, another blister. How do you know? I've got a blister on my foot. I never <laughs> I didn't tell anyone. Well, you know what I did? I warm, I've been wearing my thongs around the last couple of days, which is a bit of a no-no. I don't wear it out on the uh, on the finish line because that's crazy. You'll definitely stub a toe. But yeah, I got a blister from wearing my thongs, just wandering around the compound. Crazy. Crazy. And, and truthfully, we didn't share anything. It just comes as a surprise. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. Too, too much information. Yeah, too much information. Uh, let's talk about the, the stage yesterday. And I am buzzing because another French victory with Lilian Calmejan. What a victory. What a stage. What a stage first. It, it went really fast. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was. You know what? I was going to dive in and hang it on you then. But no, I won't because Calmejan, it was an amazing win. And well, he picked a tough one to, to, to get the victory, didn't he? And this guy, this kid, I'll say, he's 24 years of age, I think. He's only been he, he, lo he looks 18 as well. Yeah, I know, doesn't he? And he's, he's only been a pro for a couple of years. His first year pro, he last year, he won a stage of the Vuelta. So he's now won two stages in Grand Tours and obviously now the biggest, the biggest Grand Tour in the world. So, no, he is something special. And quite convincingly yesterday, I mean, he, had a, he, he was cramping at the end. My heart was almost sinking, thinking, no, 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 don't do this to us, don't do this to us. But in the end, he, he held on and then he, he got victory. I'll tell you a little secret. I was actually, I was actually hoping Robert Geesink would, would catch him. You know, I sort of I like Geesink, uh, the Dutch, but, you know, in the end, I think it's good. We need French victories. And, uh, yeah, this kid, maybe he's the star of the future. And Porca de Jersey as well. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's and they're the days you get it. And and this was the first big mountain day. I know we I know we had La Planche de Baffy, but that was the only mountain that day. So there wasn't a lot of points up for grabs and it was a mountain top finish. Whereas yesterday had, you know, all of those multiple climbs, not big ones, but he collected all these points. So yeah, the next few days in, in those uh, the mountain stages at least, let's see if he can hold it. What about the main containers from Port? What did we see from them yesterday? Not much, did we? We we and, we and I say that in the nicest way. They all worked hard. It was a tough stage for all of them, but it was status quo. So that's what I mean by that. Uh, Sky set the tempo. They held it together. They didn't want to let that break go out, even though there were probably guys in there that won't challenge for Paris. Froome and Team Sky did not want to let the guys that are sitting at two minutes to brick come back into the game because he said all it does is make it harder for us. What, what does that tell us in terms of uh, how they look at controlling this race? It tells us they're strong. And look, they've got experience. They know that, you know, it's, uh, what is it? Don't leave any stone unturned. And, that, and that's why Sky are good. You know, people criticise them for being boring, but 
that's what you've got to do to win the Tour de France. So, you know, the minute they, he doesn't win or he falters, I think we, we want to see another winner. I think, I think the audience and TV and press want to see another winner. But Chris Froome is an outstanding competitor and, uh, you know, you've got to tip your hat for that. And Richie? Richie's in the game. He's in the game. It, again, status quo for him, so he was there. So, no, no, I think, uh, I think today will tell a lot. And, uh, but all things considered, I'm expecting him to, to launch a challenge. Okay, this is it for this uh, part one. Uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we ask the question, who are you, Matthew Killen? The answer straight after this. Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun, and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Pleasure on the podcast to, to talk to uh, the voice of the Tour de France now in 50 countries, Matthew Kinnan. Hey. It's hard to believe, isn't it? 50 countries. <laughs> Is that even scary or not? I try not to think about it. In the booth, there's only one of us. It's Robbie <laughs> and me. And we don't think about the size of the audience and anticipate that we're just talking to one person at home that's watching. Does that change, actually, the way you do the commentary? So before, uh, we all had this game on social media, Kino, you know, what kilometers and stuff, that doesn't exist anymore. But uh, does that change the game, re really, for you? The fact that you know now you're going from start to finish? Yes, it does, quite a bit. Because in the past, I didn't know when I was going to finish. So I felt like I was in a rush to get all this information out. So I you didn't know about Kino as well? There was a complete, sort of complete in the dark for you as well? I knew about Kino, but I didn't know what the Kino number would be. So I actually couldn't cheat. There was no insider trading. So I didn't actually know when I was going to finish, but I was aware of the game Kino. So each time I was given the 10 second warning to throw across to Phil and Paul, I would say what the kilometre number was. So there were no disputes on Kino. <laughs> That's a really good. Uh, how, how are you leaving this tour, 2017? I know it's not a far away from being your first one you're becoming a bit of a veteran but you've got big shoes to fill with uh, Phil Liggett and Paul Schoen. Oh, of course and a lot of the attention has been about the fact that Phil Liggett is no longer doing the commentary for that international feed and still doing the commentary for NBC and for me I'm not trying to fill Phil's shoes or Paul's shoes and a lot of the time Paul gets forgotten in this conversation because he's as an important part of that combination I can just try and be myself I can just try and be the first Matthew Keenan and Phil has done it for 40 plus years this is his 44th Tour de France and he's such a familiar voice he's my soundtrack to the Tour de France just as he is everybody else's and I've had the privilege now though to be the first Australian to call the stage finish of the Tour de France and I hope that with time people will come to enjoy my commentary just somewhere near the level that they have fills but I don't expect to fill those shoes I'm not trying to I'm just trying to be myself and it's been a privilege to follow in the footsteps and have him as somewhat of a mentor to me as well and if I had my way to be perfectly honest it'd be the four of us rotating through the commentary box because we're commentating the stages from start to finish and like test cricket the change of voices is good whether you're the world's greatest commentator of all time that same voice for six hours can be hard work for the audience and for the commentator. A change of voice would be really nice. If you think of the little Matthew Kinnan, the, the five, six, seven, eight-year-old Matthew Kinnan, have you fulfilled most of your dreams so far? I mean, you can always dream, but this must have been one of the, the dream working in the cycling world and working with this whole organization. The original dream was to ride the Tour de France. And of course, when you're really young and you haven't raced yet, the dream is to win the Tour de France. Then you start riding a few club races and you get a dose of reality and realize you're not actually that good. So 
I dreamt of riding the Tour de France and then I wasn't even good enough to do that. So I had to recreate the dream and I figured there's more than one way to skin a cat. And this is a message that I always give to young kids when they're going through school or whatever it may be or pursuing a sport. Chase your dream, but be prepared to be a little bit flexible. Sure, I wasn't able to ride the tour, but this is now my 11th Tour de France. So I get to come to the tour, not in the manner that the 16-year-old or the 14-year-old me dreamt about, but in a different way. And it is a dream come true, not a dream that I initially had, but I changed that dream and I'm loving it. And for our personal audience at SBS, you have a, a personal affiliation with SBS, I guess. Yes, yeah, so I'm here not employed by SBS, but employed by ASO. So as you mentioned before, the commentary goes to about 50 different networks around the globe. But a large part of that is because of the relationship with SBS. So I'm really grateful for that. And the last question, I know you have your own podcast. Uh, how is that going? Are you, do you enjoy this, this role as well as a podcast? It's a different audience. It's a different set of ears, a different relation with, uh, with the audience. It's a more personal relationship than what TV commentary is because you're responding to a lot of questions directly from the audience. And I've done a bit of radio, which is a format that I really enjoy. I love radio. But... You don't have to worry about ad breaks or timings. And one episode can be 35 minutes long, another episode can be 42 minutes long, depending on the content you want to get through. And it lets me be a bit more relaxed than what I am in commentary. And doing it with Dan Jones and Sam Edmund, the idea is actually just to have fun. We're not trying to be really hardcore cycling. Whilst talking about cycling, we're talking about it in the fun manner that you do when you're at the cafe after a ride with your mates. And it's called the Three Domestics. It is, because none of us could possibly be team leaders. We've got to be realistic. Perhaps it should be called the Three Swanniers. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and last question, you have also an affiliation with uh, Zwift. That's a brand you know, and I guess you like what they're doing. I really became aware of it. I knew about it before the Matt Heyman thing, when he won Paris-Roubaix. But I was honest, I was a bit sceptical. And then Matt Heyman rode it to prepare for Paris-Roubaix, which he then won. And that raised the eyebrows and I thought, actually, I want to have a go because I've done a lot of indoor training when I was racing. And even since then, I like the ergo and the effort you get. It's really efficient. So when I did get on Zwift and then had the chance to ride the World Championship course from Richmond 2015, where Peter Sagan win, won, that's when I was sold because I felt like I'd I knew the course because I commentated that World Championships and then I got to ride it. Sure, it was in my, my own house, but I felt like I was on the course. It was really good. And uh, what else do you like? I mean, we know you for the, for the cycling, the voice of cycling, but surely you, you're not a one-sport man. Uh, my second favourite sport is tennis. And I play tennis maybe twice a week. When I get back from the Tour de France, I'll be playing Tuesday night you know, men's competition again. The first time I've played competition tennis since I was 15. And I started playing again just this year, really, because my daughter took up hot shots. So my wife and I went down to tennis at the local tennis club, sitting there watching our daughter get her tennis lesson. All the other parents are there on their devices, their phones. Nobody's talking to each other. So we brought a couple of tennis rackets and started playing. So I love playing tennis. I love following the football, the AFL. I like all sports, really. But cycling's number one, tennis is number two. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Zwift is an indoor cycling platform where you can connect with a global community of cyclists at any time. You can chat with people all over the world, share in group rides, get encouragement from total strangers right on, who quickly become your new riding buddies and train harder and faster with competition on a global scale. Check out Zwift for yourself at Zwift.com today.
Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. And before we uh, we carry on with uh, with, with all this, um, we had a bit of news overnight. Uh, I didn't want to say it at the beginning of the program, but we are the number three podcast sports podcast on iTunes. Can you believe it? Well, I can believe it, but it's incredible. Well, it's your gig, brother. And I tell you what, I'm just go. I've come along for the ride. Yeah, it's incredible. Number one is Lance Armstrong. Number two is uh, ESPN. Number three is us. Shall we go after Lance? We can't let him get away. We've we've been going after Lance for years. Let's keep on. Let's just keep on trucking. I reckon. You know what? I better unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone that's listening, unsubscribe. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but that would be awesome if we could beat Lance. Would you believe that? Ah, uh, that would be cool. We're coming for you, Lance. If you are out there listening, sir, well, you should be because we've got it going on. And you should be because I tagged you on Twitter several times. So anyway, uh, let's talk about cycling and uh, where are we going tonight? Going to Chambéry. What a stage fitting for a Sunday viewing. That was That's going to be amazing. It is perfect. I think the Tour de France organisers worked that out, didn't they? They went all around the world. Sunday is just one of those days that people want a late one, you know. Well, maybe not. People got to go to work, but who cares? It is a monster day. Uh, I'm just looking at the booklet, actually, and the categorised climbs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Three oars category climbs. A couple of cat threes and a cat two, but it's the three oars category climbs. And you know what? It's, there's a 50k section, which is effectively the last 50 kilometres. They go over Mont du Chat, and they did it in the Dauphiné, the same 50 kilometre section, and it was that crazy descent where Chris Froome opened up the afterburners, tried to drop Richie Port. And I think Fabio Aru or Jacob Fulsang and Alberto Contador. So it's going to be an exciting stage and anything can happen. Uh, it, it's just going to be fantastic. So the, the Dauphiné was a preview of uh, or the last 50k or the preview of the last 50k of that stage. Do you think, do you think the Tour de France does this? Do they try things because they organise the, the Dauphiné as well. Would they try some sort of thing, see if it works? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, they lock in obviously the course of the Tour de France way in advance, and so too the Dauphiné. So, yeah, once it's locked in, they can't change it. Obviously, they can't they can't run the Dauphiné and go, hmm, that's not too good. Let's change it. We'll just make a last minute change. But um, no, of course, it's a it's a standard thing, and they want to keep mixing up the the, the course profile of the Tour de France. I mean, 114 years since the first Tour de France. So they need to try and look for new roads and there are new roads, obviously, but, um, you know, they want to keep keep making it interesting. I'm not going to ask you for a pronostic or for, for your pick on this one because it, this is one stage that I believe is probably unpickable. But I'm still going to ask you for a pick. Can Bardet do it? Yeah, look, he, he's, a good, he's a good pick, isn't he? He's a good pick because he descends so well. Uh, he, he was good at the Croitum du Dauphiné, but he wasn't brilliant on this stage. But that was the Dauphiné, this is the Tour de France. And I think he'll be more primed. I think you, you need, yeah, someone who can descend well and they have to be able to climb well. So you eliminate a lot of riders already. So you eliminate the guys that can't descend and, and then the guys who can't climb as well because they go over the, the uh, Mont du Chat. It's 8.7 kilometres at an average of 10.3%. We saw it uh, last month, so we know it's a tough climb. And then you've got that crazy descent. And then, look, it's only, well, it's about 12, it's 13 kilometres from the base to the finish line. So it's a little bit further than what they did in the Criterium de Dauphiné at the, bottom, at the bottom of that descent. But I don't think that will matter. If someone descends like a maniac and, and keeps two wheels at the bottom, then they'll probably go away and win the stage. Could this be the stage where Richie properly attack Chris Room? It's a stage where he should, I think. Richie's not the best ascender. He's not bad, but he's not as good as the best. So 
Yes, I think he needs to attack hard on that climb, and you know maybe it'd be actually good if you, if he had a couple of good descenders go with him up that climb, and then they nailed it on the descent because I think in dry roads and good conditions he can follow the wheel on the descent. You know, um, so yeah, it's like you say, it's a really tough one to pick. Really, really tough. I think for the for the one I'm going to let you off this one I'm not going to let you pick on this. Oh, thank one. you, thank you, thank you very much. But your wine is the wine is on you. <laughs> okay, okay, oh, happily, happily. Like I'm going uh, good on wine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you've had you've had one glass of rosé. I'm, I'm an expert. Conversion, buddy. That's not conversion, all right. The Frenchman who doesn't drink wine, one glass of rosé. Yeah, we need a few more than that. I know. Well, I've got to stop this podcast now. <laughs> But it's been great talking to you today again. Uh, thank you for being part of this number third podcast on iTunes. I can't believe it. Hey, the only way is up. Exactly. Thank you for, uh, for tuning in. And this is it for us on this uh, Zwift Tour de France podcast. Uh, let me remind you that you can stream or download on iTunes. You can uh, also check out the ride on Zwift. Uh, our sponsor, our lovely sponsors, they have some special SBS rides. Uh, so check them out. Uh, next podcast will be released uh, tomorrow morning. And I'm looking forward, I tell you, talk about this stage because it's going to be an amazing stage. Stay tuned. Anyway, this is it for us now. On behalf of the whole team at SBS, it's au revoir for now. À demain. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast every day of the 2017 Tour de France. You can ride and listen to this podcast by joining SBS Group Rides on Zwift. Guys, go and check it out today. Visit Zwift.com to learn more.